2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: This is a very meaningful win because of where it takes place and who it takes place against. It's a good football team. This team will be there at the end of the year in the playoffs you watch. So uh, we're very happy with this win. I think Marlon said to me at the... Um, at the end, there on the field, because we're not there yet, but we're on our way. You know, and I feel like that's something that uh, that uh, we're working hard on to improve. But in this particular game,
2: hey, in that particular game, they kicked the crap out of the Patriots because Lamar Jackson was doing Lamar Jackson things. Five touchdowns in all Ooh. for Lamar. Two hundred eighteen passing yards and four touchdowns. He had one hundred and seven rushing yards. Once again, the leading rusher for the Baltimore Ravens. That usually is a very bad thing when your quarterback is your leading rusher. But when it's Lamar Jackson, you come to accept it. MDS has coined the phrase double-triple, the statistical measurement of at least 100 yards in two or more categories. Uh, and for Lamar, it's the 14th game ever, I think, is what he's up to. Most ever in league history with a combination of at least 100 passing yards and 100 rushing yards he passed Mike Vick a couple of years ago I mean Lamar Jackson does it all and he's getting it done and uh, unlike last week when that 78 yard touchdown run seemed to be the thing that would deliver the win for the Ravens until the Dolphins woke up in the fourth quarter yesterday's performance by Lamar Miles was not wasted
3: not at all and he has been dynamic so far this season that's what the Ravens really really needed and obviously he's got his contract situation going on and you know every time that he plays this dynamically and then you see some of the quarterback play that goes on around the league it's like oh well I guess maybe those dollar signs are still going up but that's another discussion for another day but at the same time I mean when you see Lamar Jackson make some of the throws that he's making in addition to the runs that he's also doing I I think that tells you a lot about where he is this season and the comfort he feels within that offense. That pass that he had uh, to Devin DuVernay for the touchdown in the third quarter, it was an outstanding throw to the end zone, also an outstanding catch. But when he's throwing it like that, as well as running it the way he was running it, the Ravens are extremely hard to stop, extremely hard.
2: Here's what's amazing, and I was right for a change. 14th career, double, triple, for Lamar Jackson. In second place is Mike Vick with eight. Mike Vick played 149 games to get eight double triples. Lamar has 14 in 64 games. So he's about roughly one out of four games, roughly, just under one out of four games. Is he generating at least 100 yards rushing and 100 yards passing And it really Mm -hmm. is amazing to see what he does. And, you know, you you mentioned the contract situation. There is no contract situation because that's over. That's done. That's tabled until the end of the season. Hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully he has disability insurance that will actually pay out if he suffers some sort of catastrophic injury that either limits his desirability or... God forbid, ends his career. Hopefully that's all in place. There was some chatter before the start of the season. There was an effort to try to line him up with that protection. But, you know, the Ravens were not concerned about one important thing, Miles. They were not concerned that it was going to affect Lamar Jackson's mindset on the football field. And we have seen through three weeks he's not tentative. He's not like Jadavian Clowney his final year at South Carolina. That's what I was worried about when Clowney couldn't leave for the NFL. He had to play one more year. There was a tentativeness there because you know what's at stake financially. And that's the human reaction. This isn't a slap on. I'd be the same way. I'd be the same way. How am I supposed to function in this stew of physical risks, knowing that chances are I'm going to get injured at some point and that it may derail my ability to get what I have earned financially? So kudos to Lamar Jackson for staying focused and being productive. Let's hear from Coach Harbaugh on his star quarterback, Lamar Jackson's latest great performance.
1: He plays his way, and, um, you know, he's kind of determined to play his way, but he plays, it's not, his way is still, it's winning football, man. It's fundamentally sound quarterback play. You know, he's running the show out there. He's making the checks. He's managing the clock. All the things that you would say an operator or a manager does, he's doing all those things, too.
2: Yeah, it really is astounding what he's doing, and I, I only wish the best for him, and I've said time and again, if he had an agent, he'd have a contract by now. And and who knows? after? I mean, just because he has another great season, does that mean that all of a sudden you wave the magic wand and you can solve this? If anything, it may harden his position. It may make him want even more. He wants that fully guaranteed contract, and the Ravens don't want to give it to him, unless Steve Bashotti rolls out of bed one day and says, well, you know what? What the hell? Let's just give him the fully guaranteed contract. I, What do you do? You just keep going one year at a time until you hit the open market like Kirk Cousins, and then somebody will give him a fully guaranteed contract, I assume.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a logical uh, destination for the way that that could play out. Who knows, though? Maybe Steve Bashotti will wake up one day after watching, you know— what we saw last night on Sunday night football for instance and say gosh darn man (laughs) yes I've got a really really (laughs) great quarterback and uh there are some places where they don't have that and you see what those offenses look like and my offense doesn't look like that so maybe I should just do the thing
2: (laughs) there aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around and the sad truth is there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around and in New England they may be dipping into the pool of Not great quarterbacks for some period of time. Mac Jones had an ankle injury late in the game. X-rays were negative, which we know means nothing when you're talking about a complicated joint like the ankle because there's ligaments and tendons, and just because nothing's broken doesn't mean that everything's fine. He was carried into the locker room. There are still frames out there of the agony on his face as he's being carried into the locker room. And, of course, Bill Belichick... Didn't know anything about any of it when he was asked by reporters after the game. There's a friggin' surprise, but uh, it's not going to surprise me, Miles, if we don't see Mac Jones for a while. There's been a flurry of reports, a high ankle sprain. You know that takes. Uh, a, look at that! Look at that! I feel bad. I mean, that hurts me as 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 a, as a parent who used to go through two and a half hours of hell, worrying that any given play was going to result in a broken leg or whatever, and we're going to have some serious i mean that that's just that is painful to anyone parent or non-parent yeah. that hurts and uh i think he's gonna miss time how can you how can you look at that photo and assume oh, he'll be he'll be fine on sunday they're gonna I have to know. get brian hoyer ready or bailey Zappi. they supposedly really like bailey Zappi. we'll see how much they like him maybe he leapfrogs brian hoyer i don't know who
3: knows but it's not a good situation whenever you're down your starting quarterback and yeah like you said when when you see the agony on mac jones's face if you ever sprained an ankle before which i have it is really not a great situation it's pretty painful so especially when you're dealing with that high ankle stuff and you're a quarterback and you've got to use your feet to plant that really really affects you as a thrower so we'll see what happens with mac jones but the Patriots played a little bit better than I thought they would in that game. They were competitive, but they're not good enough to overcome three you know, takeaways, um, three giveaways, I should say, by Mac Jones with three interceptions. Then they had another fumble. You're, you're, when you're losing the, the turnover margin, 4-2 to two, to the Baltimore Ravens, you're probably not going to have a very good day. And the Patriots aren't good enough yet to overcome that.
2: We've talked about some less-than-stellar quarterback play. We expected better from the Battle of the Goats, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It did not go as planned, but the Packers emerge with the narrow win. We'll break down what once was the Bay of Pigs game and kind of felt like it all over again yesterday. Bucks hosting Packers when PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this.
0: I have a ton of respect for him. He's been a trailblazer at the position for a long time. I'm thankful to be in the conversation with uh, some all-time greats in this generation. I feel like I'm in that conversation. And it's been been a lot of fun competing against Tom over the years. And it's always nice coming out on top because it hasn't happened that many times.
2: Aaron Rodgers. One GOAT takes down another GOAT, 14-12. to 12. I would have expected that to be the score at the end of one quarter. But both of these offenses, anemic, especially the Buccaneers. I mean, you got Cole Beasley signed last week, prepared aggressively. That's why Tom Brady worked last Wednesday. That's what was so funny. Sunday Splash Report Week 2. Tom Brady's going to take every Wednesday off for the rest of the year. The first Wednesday after that report, he's working. Why? To get Cole Beasley ready go. To go because Mike Evans was suspended, Chris Godwin injured, Julio Jones injured. You're, you're down to guys that are just walking through the door, literally. Um, but I I still, you know, we we've seen Tom Brady kind of will his team to victory, but. It is so weird to see three points as the Buccaneers' total score in the second half of football games, but that's where we are this year. They averaged 30 points per game last year, Miles, all season long. This year, through three weeks, they are averaging 17 points per game.
3: Now they, they haven't scored more than 20 points in a game yet, and that's not something we expect to see from a Tom Brady-led offense, but when you have the changes that they've had on the offensive line, the injuries that they've had on the offensive line, and you're just going through the injuries that they've had at receiver, that's part of why we start to see these results that they're getting, and it just... Everything seems disjointed right now for the, I almost said Patriots offense, for the Buccaneers offense. How am I still doing that? We're three years into this with Tom Brady in that uniform and in that particular team. But when you still see Tom Brady and things aren't going right with the offense, you're like, man, what in the world is going on here? But I think it's a combination of everything that is new for them right now, along with just they're playing some good defenses, too. That, that Packers' defense is pretty good, so that's part of it. And maybe when they're not playing units that are not so great, then we'll see something different. But it, it, it it's just one of those things right now where nothing seems to be just smooth and fluid for that Buccaneers' offense. Hey,
2: I had a moment last year, Miles, where the Patriots were getting ready to play somebody that the Buccaneers had already played. And it just wasn't a quick, like, flash through the synapses. I was adamant that the patriots had already played that team like what am i what am i seeing here the patriots have already played this team they've already played them tom brady already oh oh wait never mind yeah uh, i don't think that's ever going to go away uh, as long as tom brady is with the buccaneers and who knows how much longer it's going to be yesterday's game did not work out it came down to a two point conversion that would have could have maybe should have forced overtime The clock ran all the way down to zero. Delay a game on a two-point conversion? Are you kidding me? Is Nathaniel Hackett coaching the Buccaneers now? What's going on here? So it's a very different play from the seven versus the two. And it ultimately did not work out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Basically, fourth and goal from the seven to force overtime and there it goes and there go the bucks here's tom Brady talking about the delay of game penalty that pushed back that try and also the overall poor performance of his team's offense
1: yeah i just looked up and we had a uh, just a bad execution it's really what it is
0: nothing more did you try to check the run at that point
1: um yeah it's just yeah, there's a lot to it so Bad execution on offense at a time where we needed good execution and we didn't get it. And there was a lot of other times we had a lot of other bad execution. And I think the reality is when you do that, you don't have the opportunity to score points. So it was uh, too many plays where we were behind the sticks and not good on third down. And penalties, turnovers, missed opportunities. And, you know, defense played great. We've got to play better on offense. we got to do a lot better job. We haven't scored many points all season. So three games, we've got to get a lot better.
2: I do have to make a very important football observation here. Can we bring up a still frame of Tom Brady from just then? I have some advice for anyone out there. Just basic human self-awareness, especially when we consider the irony of his T-shirt that says Forever Young. Gentlemen, I generally discourage dyeing your hair because everybody knows. You think they don't, they know. They can tell. Now, I benefit from favorable lighting conditions, especially in this studio, because I got a hell of a lot of gray and I ain't doing anything to try to hide it. I accept it. But if you are, if you are going to choose to exercise your constitutional prerogative to put shoe polish in your hair, I would just advise this, Miles Simmons, pick a shade lighter than or equal to the natural color of your hair. Don't dye your hair darker than its normal color. That's my only advice for today. Take it if you are so inclined, Tom Brady or anyone else.
3: Yeah. Well, hopefully I won't need that advice for a while. I don't know. I don't, not that I have that much hair on my head, but I don't want to But look at his head.
2: His hair was never that color. (laughs) You don't dye it darker than it was. Dye it the same color or lighter. But even then, maybe his attitude is screw it. Everybody's going to know anyway. Everybody's going to know. What the hell? I'll look like Johnny Cash. Who cares?
3: I don't know if you don't like something about it, change it. You know, if you don't Very like your, the way your hair looks. You just change it. It's fine. I uh, the the I funnier change thing hair, me my about My hair, my clothes, that. my
2: face. Bruce Springsteen. I I just yeah, I, yeah, I I'm sorry to right detour right into something that's so irrelevant, but I mean, come on, man. I'm seriously. <laughs> I, come on, come on, Tom. Is <laughs> how is there no one around, Tom? And maybe that's what this all comes down to. Everyone tiptoes on eggshells around Tom. No one is willing to say, hey, Tom, that looks a little ridiculous. I'll say it. Hey, Tom, that looks more than a little ridiculous. That just looks more than a little ridiculous. I'm sorry, but it's true.
3: Are you, are you done? Can I, can I, I done. go with what I was going to say better about now. that little I feel
2: good. There? Yeah? I feel I'm good. Glad. So I'm glad. So glad you New do. in New York. I'm uh, acting like a New Yorker. You got to tell it like it is if you want to be in New York, baby. Good Lord. Man. <laughs> okay i the hope chris 24- jones says something to tom brady when they play next week about his hair but he'll probably get flagged if he does yeah i bet he
3: will yeah that's gonna be the thing that ruins the next cheese game is chris jones saying tom brady you look old 15 yards how dare you say that to the goat of all goats tom brady yeah uh, the funny thing about that clip, though, is he was going to say something honest. But speaking of, you know, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, he just revert. It was like Bill Belichick flashed in front of his eyes. And then all of a sudden he just went to bad execution. That's all it was. It was just bad execution. Like, OK, you were going to tell us what happened there, but then you're just now going to call it bad execution. There's more to it than that. You can be a little less robotic, Tom Brady, in a press conference if you want to be. What do you got to lose, man? You're 45 years old. Let's go. Tell, tell us. We all want to know. But bad execution. That's what he goes to.
2: The good news is he didn't execute any tablets yesterday that we know of. He ended up breaking <laughs> two the week before. And I didn't get around to write this yesterday, but apparently Jay Glazer said on the Fox pregame show that the NFL has advised teams to be a little more careful with the league-issued equipment. You know, those things aren't free. And, and I don't know that it's the kind of product placement Microsoft bargained for when they did that Surface sponsorship deal. But, hey, hey, we were talking about the Microsoft tablet a hell of a lot more last week than ever before. In a week when Apple, Microsoft's top competitor, has begun the process of encroaching on the NFL turf. So Microsoft should be happy about the developments and should encourage the abuse and destruction of their signature product. All right, Uh, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, now 2-3 and all-time against Tom Brady, including playoffs. Not a great day for him, but good enough. Finding his groove offensively. Romeo Dobbs, rookie receiver, eight catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown, so there's trust there. There was already trust with Alan Lazard, 4-45, and a touchdown. It wasn't great. It's a work in progress. But if you're the Packers— and you go into that game one and one, fully expecting to lose to the Buccaneers, you have to say, we'll take it. However, we get it, we'll take it and move to two and one.
3: Or are they fully expecting to lose to the Buccaneers? I don't know that they should be fully expecting to got I Aaron fully Rogers expected them to, but what the hell do I know? Well, okay. Yeah, I know. But they, really, they should have scored touchdowns on their first three drives, and if not, for Vita Vea dropping back in coverage and then running up and blowing up uh, Aaron Jones at the goal line that they would have. So there are some encouraging elements, I think, to that performance from the Green Bay standpoint. But when you don't score more than 14 points and you've got Aaron Rodgers at QB, I, I know they're going up against a really good defense with Todd Bowles there and what, what he does with Tampa Bay. But you're like, ah, you, you want a little bit more out of that. You get the W, though, and that's what's important.
2: Meanwhile, the Sunday night game on NBC was regarded by pretty much anyone who watched it as an ugly, horrible, awful game. So bad, it was compelling. That's how bad it was. And usually, usually for a game like that, when people complain about it, you'll have a segment of social media that rises up to say, we love a good old fashioned defensive struggle they were quiet, too. They knew. They knew. Last you, can't, you can't polish that turd that we saw last night. And it happens. 272 regular season games. There are going to be some bad games. That is the flaw in the standalone game. And I think that's why they tried the overlapping doubleheader on a Monday night, because chances are we're going to get a good one. Oops, they went 0 for 2 on Monday night. So the primetime experience lately has not been good. But that that's what happens in the NFL. You can't control that the outcome of every game is going to be thrilling and exciting. And it's still wild at the end it kind of got pretty good you know it doesn't matter how sluggish and awful it is for the first 55 minutes if you give us an exciting final five minutes which we got what the heck I mean finally the Broncos string together a decent drive and they get down the field Russell Wilson looking like old school Russ moving up in the pocket running the ball when the opportunity was there throwing caution to the wind Dropping dimes, open receivers, just working his way into the end zone. There's Melvin Gordon with the touchdown run. First touchdown for the Broncos in the red zone this season. They had mustered, I think, zero points in the red zone. Miscues, goal line stands, etc. cetera. So that was big. That was big. So they get the touchdown. It's 11 to 10. And then they hold the 49ers. 49ers had a couple of opportunities. But, you know, Miles, it was you kind know, of Jimmy G doing Jimmy G things. This is why they're trying to turn the page to Trey Lance. And Ugh. the problem is Trey Lance had yet to really step up. This this tells you how concerned they were about Trey Lance, that they felt compelled to keep the guy around that quickly reminded all of us why they were trying to get rid of him.
3: Right, exactly. Uh, I'll start with Russell Wilson there. And that throw that he had to Cortland Sutton on the back shoulder on that last drive that we were just kind of looking at, that to me was his best throw of the night. And it showed that he was finally really getting some chemistry with those receivers because throughout the night, it just seemed like they were not on the same page Things were disjointed, sort of like what we were talking about with the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. That offense just is not fluid. And I think part of that has to do with the group they were going against. The 49ers defense is great. 49ers have a championship caliber defense and an offense that is absolutely stuck in the mud. And I don't know how much better it would have been with Trey Lance, but good Lord, I when I'm watching Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I said last week that I thought the 49ers could be the, the new favorites in the NFC West. I'm like, what in the hell was I talking about? Because, oh my gosh, what was he doing out there last night, man? You step out of the end zone? You Orlovsky? How do you pull an Orlovsky? And I know that uh, Kyle Shanahan said after the game that he didn't put Garoppolo in good position. But it's some of these throws, it's like, Jimmy, what in the world are you looking at? What are you doing? Guys aren't open. What what are you not reading in the defense? This one, that should have been a touchdown. If he throws a, a better, more accurate ball, that's a touchdown. I just, you see this fumbled snap, all these mistakes. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan looking like Kendall Roy on the sideline. Man, I feel it too. It's ridiculous. What are you doing where you're stepping out of the end zone like this? Where is your awareness? This is somebody who has been in the league for years and years and years. He's a veteran quarterback, and I know he didn't have the playbook, and he wasn't practicing with the 49ers and this and that. But you're going to tell me that the offense is that much different, that Garoppolo can't go out there and have at least a little bit of success? Come on, man.
2: First of all, and most importantly, this does not let Dan Orlovsky off the hook because all Kyle, all (laughs) that Kyle Shanahan, all that Jimmy Garoppolo did was step out and throw Orlovsky ran into the stripe and down the white stripe. He took so many steps that Jared Allen was able to point and laugh at what was happening before Orlovsky realized that he was beyond the boundaries of the field of play. So until someone actually runs along the length of the white stripe, oblivious to the fact that he's no longer in the end zone, Dan Orlovsky will still be the king of that play. Here is Jimmy Garoppolo from after the game talking about the desperate effort to find a rhythm on offense.
1: We weren't in a rhythm at all in the second half. And you could feel it. You could see it. Uh, it got, we were talking about on the sideline. But just, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, I was just thinking about it. It was kind of my first week with these guys. And I just got to get in a rhythm with them, especially, like, third down. I mean, we were terrible today. And I just got to get on the same page with those guys. And uh, we got to convert those. Yeah, my arm's feeling it right now. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, just, it's it's different. Uh, you try to do all the practicing and preparation you can on the sideline, and being the number two. And uh, then when you get tossed into it, you just, you uh, you know, I didn't go through OTAs in training camp, and I'm not trying to make excuses or anything, but I just got to get in game shape and get rolling now.
2: I'm not trying to make excuses. Here are my excuses. I, mean, I love that. Here, 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 I mean, really, that's what it was. He just it, yes. said that those aren't excuses. After he listed his excuses, he said they're not excuses, or I'm not trying to make excuses. They're just happening organically and naturally. And that look, that's fine. This is part of that jumbled, weird experience that the 49ers had with Jimmy Garoppolo this year, where he was exiled from the team. He basically had a gym membership with the 49ers for the month of August. (laughs) That's what it was. He had a free membership at Gold's Gym, and he could go work out and throw football, (laughs) and he was not part of the team, and he knew he wasn't going to be part of the team. They weren't making him study the playbook. They weren't having him do anything productive whatsoever whatsoever until they realized, we probably should keep this guy around because we're really not sure that Trey Lance is going to be the guy. Oh, and there's also a chance Trey Lance could get injured, and he did. And now Garoppolo's thrust back into it. Look, he, he had some head-scratching moments. He had some bad throws. He threw the interception on the drive where They were trying to get in field goal range to potentially win the game. But I want to go back to the drive before the Broncos finally woke up because I think the attitude was – no, the 49ers defense is playing so well tonight, it doesn't matter. They're never going to allow a touchdown drive to the Broncos until they did. But there was a third and three play, Miles, on the drive where the 49ers had the ball before they punted to the Broncos, who, who marched down the field to win the game, where Debo Samuel ran a route in the middle of the field, and, and he cut, and he was open. And it's third and three. If Jimmy Garoppolo just delivers that ball, and we're not talking about a 30-yard out. We're not talking about a complicated dropping the ball into the the turkey hole, as uh, John Gruden would call it, or trying to thread some sort of an intricate needle. We're talking about a guy cutting and moving and just hit the target, hit him in stride. And he threw it three feet behind him. To the point where, you know, you credit the defensive player for a pass breakup. It just did hit the guy. He was beaten, and the ball hit him as Debo Samuel was running open. You've got to make that throw. That's the moment that that game isn't necessarily iced. But if Debo catches that and goes, who knows how far he's going to run. And it it keeps that drive going. And then you go down, and, you know, it's 10-5 to 5 at the time. Maybe you get a, a field goal, and it's 13-5. Or you get a touchdown, and it's game over. But that that's one of those where it, the game wasn't necessarily on the line because we didn't think the Broncos were ever going to score a touchdown, but the game was on the line in hindsight. And that's where Garoppolo's got to make that throw. And, Jimmy, you can line up excuses all day long. But if you can't make that throw, that's why no one wanted you in the offseason, shoulder injury or not. That's why no one wanted to make him their starting quarterback. He has too many of those moments where you're looking at the film and you're saying, what the F was this guy thinking? What was he doing in that moment?
3: Yeah, well, I'm surprised you, know, you didn't talk about how Jimmy Garoppolo was just letting the salt and pepper come in. But yeah, I, I think that when you see his performance last night, there were too many, bro, what are you doing moments in that game? The accuracy was off. The ball placement was off. And when you have those kinds of things from a quarterback who is a veteran quarterback who has won so many games for the 49ers, you're just looking at it and you're thinking, my goodness, why in the world is this what's happening? Jimmy Garoppolo can play way better than that. We've seen him play way better than that. But we've also seen it where Kyle Shanahan basically hides him as much as he possibly can with the run game. And that was one of those things that just didn't necessarily work out last night. I, I think Ajiro Everos, the defensive coordinator of uh, the Denver Broncos had a great great plan to try and stop the Broncos uh, the yeah, the 49ers run game. whoa, that was a little brain thing that was weird that happened right there. But I, I think when you're looking at that plan, it was good and then they just made Jimmy try to win it through the passing game and he wasn't able to do it. And there were plenty of plays that were open. But he just was not accurate enough with the football. And those are the kinds of results you're going to get.
2: There was a quote at one point last night from either Chris Collinsworth or Mike Tirico that Evero said, we may lose this game, but we're not going to be beaten by George Kittle or Debo Samuel. Right. Didn't mention Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) We're not going to be beaten by George Kittle or Debo Samuel. And Kittle neutralized Debo Samuel not the usual Debo Samuel Knight, avoided what looked to be a potentially serious injury. Good for him that he yes. was able to come out of that scrum okay. And one last thing, I'm not going to let this go by without a comment from me. I didn't mention that Jimmy G starting to let the salt and pepper come through, but I know how this movie ends. Eventually, he's going to see it and then he's going to show up looking like Creed from The Office the day that all of the toner from the copy machine ended up on his head. That's coming. So remember this image, because there will be a day coming up at some point in the next, let's go, two and a half years is the over-under. At some point in the next two and a half years, over or under by a little bit, we're going to see a, a, a Johnny Cash jet black mane from Jimmy Garoppolo as if the salt and pepper never Snuck through. Let's take a break. When we return, some superlatives coming from week three of the 2022 NFL regular season on PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel.
1: Don't ride the waves of the season, and that's always going to be my message. Whether we're two and five like we started last year, or three and zero in this particular case, we see three and zero teams, five and zero teams start hot all the time. But it's just about going back to work and not and because this this game will humble you very quickly if you if you get too high on it. So go through the same process, dog mentality, all the different things, the way we say it, um, and and don't ride the waves.
2: You know, I'll give Nick Sirianni a dispensation and from my general position that a grown man should not wear a football jersey since he is the coach of the Eagles. And I don't know why he was rocking the Mike quick. I assume that's the Mike quick 82. That's the most significant Eagles player that I can think of. I'm sure there's a story behind it. But he gets a pass. He's the coach of the team. If he wants to wear the jersey, hell, if he wants to wear a uniform during the game with pads and all like a baseball manager would do, fine by me, Miles. Go,
3: Go Birds! Uh, yeah, he made reference to the Quick jersey at the end of the press conference, and frankly, I can't quite remember exactly what he said, but he <laughs> said, talked about there being some history there, so, yeah.
2: Well, I'll have to find that, because there had to be a reason for it. Mike Quick was a you know recognizable name at the time, but not exactly like a Harold Carmichael-type figure that uh, resonates yeah. into the future decades of the franchise. All right, it's superlatives time, which will resonate into your day, if you even remember them after this segment ends. Miles, what do you got for me?
3: I want to start with the Jaguars. We we need to show some love to the Jags. And I'm going to call this, I think the Jags are for real. We'll give them that this week. They had a really, really good game plan going into SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers. The Chargers have a hurt Justin Herbert that they're rolling out there. But it's tough. When you're coming off what was probably a pretty emotional win last week, you beat the Colts, a division rival, 24 to nothing in your building, and then you go all the way across the country, and you absolutely steamroll one of these teams. We were talking about the entire offseason as potentially being a Super Bowl contender. I think Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit, but what he's doing with the Jaguars right now, when we got Trevor Lawrence going for 262 yards, three touchdowns, James Robinson's ripping off a 50-yard run for a touchdown. Zay Jones, of all people, 10 catches for 85 yards. Jaguars, I think right now, they're about to win the AFC South.
2: That is a bold statement because there's, number one, a long way to go. Number two, the Titans are starting to wake up. They haven't played them yet, but they are much improved. Look, all they had to do was exercise the demon that is and was, well, is, he's still alive, Urban Meyer, but he's no longer an NFL head coach and never will be again. That guy just dragged them down so badly. I mean, all the stories we've seen, his attitude that he just thought he was going to show up and act like the same guy that he was in college and not fully appreciate the nuances of the NFL game and think he could just do it his way and it would work. Obviously, that was a mistake. And to their credit, they didn't compound the mistake by giving him another year. They moved on to a guy who's won a Super Bowl, and we see the difference. It's a breath of fresh air. That defense is stifling. The offense is improving. I've yet to see a full shot of the stadium there yesterday. My son told me it looked like no one was there. And this is what happens when, number one, there aren't a lot of Chargers fans in L.A., and number two, there aren't a lot of Jaguars fans either. So when the Jaguars come to town, it's not like when the Chiefs come to town or the Steelers come to town or the Raiders come to town and all those fans are going to come fill the seats. So it'll be interesting to see how many were actually there yesterday. But I think more people will be attending Jags games sooner than later, given the way that they've been performing, and they are in first place in the AFC South. My next one, and I say this tongue-in-cheek because I have been the captain of the Justin Jefferson for MVP campaign, which is suspended for now because um,
3: he has not followed the
2: the week one (laughs) performance with big numbers, and I don't know that it's his fault, but KJ greater than sign JJ. KJ Osborne yesterday getting it done with the game winner. He had a key catch on that same drive as well. Vikings down 10 in the fourth quarter, come back to win, and Osborne, wide open on that corner route, that flag route, and I talked to him about the game after it, because this is the exact same route he ran, other side of the field, but the same route that he ran last year in Carolina with an overtime game winner. He wasn't covered at all this time. Last year, here it is, tied at 28. To the left side, he did have a man closer to him. He makes the catch, gets it across, throws the helmet. I asked him why he didn't throw the helmet yesterday. He said, well, there's 45 seconds left. And I got lucky last year. I didn't get fined. I should have. I didn't want to get fined this year. So the helmet stayed on, but it was still the same outcome. Vikings win thanks to K.J. Osborne, an underrated and largely unheralded number three receiver in that offense, stepping up and delivering in the clutch. Miles.
3: Well, oh, that's one of those things got, that can happen in that Kevin O'Connell offense. You don't know who it's necessarily going to be from week to week to week. So, heck, yeah, you know, what I mean, next week it could be JJ uh, again that starts, you know, your campaign again. But we'll it better see be at some point. Receiver it, can actually do it. It
2: better be at some point because we've seen yeah. when a receiver is disgruntled. We've seen starting with Stephon Diggs, continuing yeah. with Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown. If a receiver doesn't want to be there anymore, all he's got to do is say so. And the Vikings have already set the precedent. Unhappy receiver ends up in a new home, Miles. All right, what else do you have?
3: Uh, Let me go to the uh, NFC East. Let's talk about the Eagles sack party and get back to Nick Sirianni and his jersey. But my goodness, when you have nine sacks on a quarterback, that's a lot. And there are a lot of problems right now with Washington and Carson Wentz. And I think we can say pretty definitively that Wentz was not the only problem with the Indianapolis Colts, at least based on how they've played in these first few games this season. But he also was a part of the problem, right? And when you're looking at him and the way he's not really protecting himself very well, he's holding on to the ball. Yeah, there were protection issues too. But when you get sacked nine times and you get Brandon Graham coming at you with two and a half sacks, Fletcher Cox coming at you, one and a half sacks, even in the worst of times with Philly in 2020, eight times was the most he was ever sacked. He only had been sacked six times the most uh, uh, other than that. So nine sacks on Carson Wentz. It's, it's getting ugly early for the commanders.
2: Nothing against Mike Quick, but maybe Sirianni should have worn 92 instead of 82 yesterday after the nine-sack performance. And I thought it was funny because <laughs> Carson Wentz apparently said the nine sacks aren't the fault of the offensive line. My reaction to that was, of course he's going to say that. He doesn't want to be sacked 18 times Next week, if he starts calling out the offensive line, I'm trying to be a good teammate here. Let's just say there were problems in protection. Peyton Manning, circa 2005 or thereabouts. Uh, one more for me, and and this just this is just one of those funny moments. And I still don't know what it was, how it happened, why it happened. I called it a hive. It's apparently not a hive. It's a swarm. Whatever we call it, whatever noun applies. That's a lot of bees. On a goalpost, I assume there's a queen in there somewhere that's keeping all those bees. They had a drone in Seattle of a different kind. They had a lot of drones in Tampa yesterday before the game. I don't know what they ever did about that. All I know is I wouldn't want to be one of the officials standing under that goalpost if somebody stoinked one off the uprights. That's for damn sure.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that I would want to be in a situation where... I'm, you know, maybe coming into the end zone and maybe I want to do one of those layup things that happen over the goalpost. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's some bees. That's not, uh, that's not very comfortable.
2: No. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, a couple of AFC teams got much needed victories on Sunday. That and more when PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after that. You know, losing, losing sucks, especially when you're used to winning and you have high expectations um i'm excited for the players i really am i, I know that they you know probably deserved one earlier in the season and we didn't end up with it but
1: you know you only get what you you know fight for in this league and i thought they fought for it today and you know i'm happy for them
2: mike vrabel tennessee titans getting the first one of the season against the Raiders. I should have made this one of my best bets. I saw the Raiders favored by two, two and a half points in Tennessee. What the hell am I missing here? Now, it was a narrow 24-22 win, but it felt like a suffocation throughout the day by the the Titans. You can't even call it a backdoor cover because the Raiders were still favored to win the game. It just felt like a weird kind of a not as close as it was. Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things. 20 carries, 85 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. He had 58 receiving yards. Ryan Tannehill doing just enough. And now the Raiders are the only team left without a win this year at 0-3. Well, the Texans are 0-2-1, but they're not 0-3. The Raiders are 0-3, Miles.
3: Yeah, the Raiders, the, the league's only 0-3 team, they allowed touchdowns on each of Tennessee's first three drives, which was the first time that they've allowed something like that since 2014 in a game I covered at what was then the Edward Jones Dome when the Rams beat him 52 to nothing in Derek Carr's rookie year, so that's funny. Uh, Shout out to uh, Josh Dubo of the Associated Press for that stat, but I'm disappointed in what I've seen from the Raiders so far this year. I thought that coming off that playoff season last year, they had some good pieces there. You add Devontae Adams and nothing is going quite right. You now Chandler Jones has not been the kind of dynamic defensive player that I thought he would be in Patrick Graham's scheme. Max Crosby's still getting some things done, but even he's not getting as much. He's not getting as many sacks as I think we would like to see out of him, or maybe we would expect to see out of him. Whatever you want to call it, it's. Nothing's going right right now for the Las Vegas Raiders, and when you are one of two teams that don't have a win after three weeks in the entire National Football League, there's a lot of looking in the mirror that needs to happen.
2: And it's a problem specifically for the Raiders because they are in the toughest division in the tougher of the two conferences, the AFC West, allegedly, where there are plenty of good – well, okay, fine.
3: Uh, but, I'm not, but still, uh, yeah. After three weeks, I'm not ready to say that anymore about the AFC not best. And we're going to find out a
2: lot about the Raiders here coming up. They've got the Broncos and then the Chiefs before they head into their week six bye. So they they get to play a couple of the teams from that division. But the problem is when you're 0-3 and you're in the AFC, where I think there will be very good teams that just don't have enough wins to make it to the playoffs. I mean, how how many more losses can you afford? We're still getting used to the 17-game season, but it used to be, Once you start creeping past three losses on the year, you got to get a little nervous because we've seen 11 and five not be good enough. We've seen 10 and six not be good enough. Nine and seven is hardly a lock. So now with 17, like, is it is it, you know, I mean, at five wins, you start, I think, worrying six, seven and you've you've got zero. You're oh and three. So not good for the Raiders. The Titans avoided that fate. They're now one and two. They got their win. They're on their way. Another team that finally has begun the process of turning it around, the Cincinnati Bengals. They go back to a place last year where they were upset by the Mike White-led New York Jets. This time around, the Bengals getting it done. Joe Burrow coming alive, although he's paying a lot of attention to that rush for good reason. His offensive line stinks, all due respect. But doing enough to get that win, to get to one and two. And now the Bengals can try to build on that short week, Thursday night visit from the Miami Dolphins. A great game
3: to start the week four slate, Miles. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do against the Miami Dolphins because the Bengals needed a get-right game and they got right against the New York Jets. But as I'm watching that game, there's still some sort of concerning things that I see with Joe Burrow in the pocket and how he tries to extend plays where better teams with better pass rushes are probably going to get home and they're probably going to sack him. So it's one of those deals where yeah, Joe Burrow is going to take some sacks, but then he also, when he gets the chance is going to be able to evade that rush sometimes and then get out of the pocket and make a nice throw to P Ryan like he did for the game's opening touchdown. But I, I don't know. I, at this point, I'm still thinking this is Baltimore's division. The Bengals are good. They're going to have the chance to win as long as Joe Burrow is their quarterback. But I think that there still are some concerning things with pass protection that if you get a team with a really good pass rush, they're going to get home. So that's why this matchup with Miami is going to be intriguing. We know they can rush the passer.
2: By the way, that game between the Dolphins and the Bengals, Thursday night, 52 weeks to the day since another Florida team with a first-year NFL head coach came to Cincinnati on what ended up being an eventful weekend for that coach oh gosh. in Ohio. Mike yeah. McDaniel, free advice, get on the plane back to Florida. Whatever else you do this week, if you do nothing else, get on the plane back to Miami after the game. Win, lose, tie, or some other crazy outcome, go home with your team. Don't stay in Ohio. All right, uh, let's take a break. Sunday statement draft when this Monday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues
3: right after this.
1: Hey, what was different about that fourth quarter drive from your perspective? You know, um, we sat down and, and as an offense, you know, huddled up before we went out there and had a TV timeout. And we said, you know, if we want to be able to be, you know, a playoff team, a team that's going deep into playoffs, we have to be able to execute and win games like this, games, the games that are going to be close, games that we have to fight in all the way to the fourth quarter. And, you know, we, we sat down and we, we were like, you know, hey, we can do this. We just got to execute, find the, find the things that we know that we do well and then move forward with it.
2: Cortland Sutton with Jack Collinsworth and Rodney Harrison after last night's come-from-behind win by the Denver Broncos. You can see Sunday night football final on demand on Peacock until 7 p.m. Eastern today. Right now, Week 3, Sunday Statement Draft. Miles
3: Simmons, as always, you get the first pick. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Let me go with the Rams, who could say, I still own you, Cardinals. Uh, and look, the, the Rams have been really, really, really good over the Cardinals since Sean McVay got there in 2017. They've only lost one game in that span, and they were not going to lose yesterday uh, to those Kyler Murray-led Cardinals either. And you know what? I, when you look at that game, I thought the Rams did a good job of controlling it. And you do, you play bend but don't break defense. That's what Reed Morris's group was able to do when the Cardinals got long drives, but they were only able to get field goals out of them, or they didn't get points at all when you have your young safety, young defensive back breaking up the pass at the end of their the, the drive on the fourth down. So I, I like what the Rams are putting out there. You got the fumble from Cam Akers so that things should have been more lopsided than it was when he fumbles there on the goal line. But the Rams are solidifying themselves in the NFC West, especially after last week when I said that the 49ers would, you know, be at the top of that division. But the 49ers and Rams play next week, and the 49ers are the Rams' bugaboo, at least in the regular season. So we'll see how that goes. Yes, a
2: compelling out. Monday night game next week. The 49ers, an extra day to get ready, but in prime time with everyone watching and critiquing everything Jimmy Garoppolo does against the Rams. That's a great game to finish week four. I'm going to go with a game we haven't discussed yet. And okay, I'll hear from the fans who, who feel like we, we didn't give their favorite team enough credit. I don't know how many Falcons fans are out there, anymore, but 27-23, they get the win over the Seahawks. And Cordell Patterson, a guy who entered the league nine years ago as a receiver, first round pick, a project, a guy that needed some refinement, that needed some polish. And it just didn't work in Minnesota. And I remember in his fourth year, they didn't pick up the option on his rookie contract, which is an option that's available for all first round picks. And he started doing like anything and everything they asked him to do. He was a gunner on the punt team. He was doing whatever he had to do to try to to establish a foothold, and and he has evolved into one of the best running backs in football. 17 carries, 141 yards, and a touchdown yesterday for the Atlanta Falcons as they get the win over Seattle. And that's a big deal. To go into Seattle and win, I don't care where the Seahawks are in their overall timeline of development. And I still don't know why Pete Carroll was trying to tell them they could be like the 1972 Dolphins back in training camp. I mean, it worked. They beat Russell Wilson, but they're 0-2 since then. And credit to the Falcons, who were up and down. And, you know, they didn't give up against the Rams. And they blew a lead against the Saints. But they got a win. And I think they can grow... And build on it. And in the NFC, it's wide open. You start stringing wins together and all of a sudden you're going to be a potential factor, Miles.
3: Honestly, the NFC South is pretty open, too. I mean, I think we all expect the Buccaneers eventually to win that division, but we were talking about it earlier in the show. The Bucs haven't scored more than 20 points in a game yet, so credit to Arthur Smith and that group for getting it done. They stayed out on the West Coast after playing that game in Los Angeles, and apparently that worked pretty well for them. So, yeah, like I said, credit to them. Um, Let me go with uh, Dan Campbell for my next Sunday statement, and kneecaps not getting bitten off. And What I mean by that is the, the, the Lions were four of six on fourth down, and Dan Campbell had a chance to go for it late when Minnesota didn't have any more timeouts, and they would have been able to seal the win if you go for it on fourth and four and you make it. Instead, they tried a 54-yard field goal in order to go up by six. It didn't work out then the Minnesota Vikings are able to get down the field and score with that K.J. Osborne touchdown we are talking about in the last segment. And it's just one of those opportunities where if you're Dan Campbell and you've been aggressive and you talk about biting kneecaps off and all that, that's one of those situations where go and take that win, man. Go and take it. I don't, I don't think the Lions are a bad football team right now. I, I think that they could be in the NFC playoff picture. They're scoring a lot of points. But when you have the opportunity to go win a game like that, go win it, man be aggressive. Come on, Dan.
2: I can't help but wonder whether or not coaches who go for it on fourth down and it works. It's kind of like, you know, a gambler at the craps table or playing blackjack like you 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 become tempted to let it ride. You become tempted. Uh-huh. You know, forget about the analytics, forget about everything. I'm feeling good. I'm I'm hot. The right. dice are lucky. I'm going to I'm going to roll them again. I'm going to roll them again, regardless of the bigger picture. And that's why I'm a I'm a huge proponent of using analytics as a tool that gets considered along with every other factor. And this is where experience comes into play. And Dan Campbell learned something yesterday. And maybe the next time he's in a situation like that where it's been working four out of five so far going for it on fourth down, maybe I exercise discretion and restraint this time, right? We mentioned the Jaguars earlier. We have to mention them again. Trevor Lawrence becoming exactly what the Jaguars hoped he would be as the first overall pick in the 2021 draft. He had that game week 18 last year where the Colts were trying to get in the playoffs. The Jaguars were just trying to pack it up and go home. He rose up in that moment. Peter King wrote about it in Football Morning in America at the time. And Lawrence has just gotten better and better. He's maturing before our eyes. But that is a statement. To go To L.A. to take on a Chargers team that plenty of people thought was good enough to get to the postseason this year and win 38 to 10, 38 to 10. I know Justin Herbert was banged up. I blah blah blah. 38 to 10 is an ass kicking under any standard, and for Trevor Lawrence to lead that team, that just gives the Jaguars a lift. And I wonder how long it's going to last. That their opponents are going to look at those uniforms and say, "Oh, they're just the Jaguars." At some point, they become a measuring stick team, and and they're fine, I assume, with being overlooked. But at some point, people are going to wake up and say the Jaguars are pretty damn good, Miles.
3: Yeah, they should. And, you know, one other postscript from that game, what was Justin Herbert doing in there at with five minutes left in the fourth quarter? I understand, Brandon Staley, that he wants to stay in the game, but you're the head coach. Get him the hell out of there. Uh, last Sunday statement from me, I'll say Matt Ryan who, you know, we were trying to say should go to the Blue Factory, maybe we not early. Uh, (laughs) Well, someone said it on Twitter last week, but he came back and he got that thing done. And, you know, there were points in that game that we mentioned earlier. The Chiefs really should have won it. Chiefs should have been able to take it, but they didn't. They allowed the Colts to stay in the game, and Matt Ryan found the rookie woods in the end zone, and he was able to bring the Colts all the way back. Big win for them.
2: Yeah, uh, impressive outing. Uh, all around for the Colts and for Matt Ryan. I'll go Khalil Herbert with my last one, a guy who got more opportunities yesterday because David Montgomery was banged up. But the Bears, quietly 2-1. and one. Yeah, it's just the Texans, but they've beaten the 49ers. They've beaten the Texans. They're 2-0 and at home. Justin Fields wasn't great, but you don't need to be great if Khalil Herbert's going to come off the bench and gain 157 rushing yards and a couple of touchdowns as you kind of grind it out and get the win against the Houston Texans and then the Bears are a team you know all these wins in September especially for a young team these wins Mm -hmm. in September get the players to buy in to the new program and uh, um, off the uh, off the Bears go and Herbert may be a guy that continues to do what he did on Sunday let's go ahead and take a break some changes big changes for the Pro Bowl experience we'll tell you about that And we'll try to get you ready for tonight's game between the Giants and the Cowboys. that will wrap up week three of the 2022 regular season. More PFT Live presented by Google Pixel right after this. Credit, come on, Shefty, you're better than that. Rob Motti says that the NFL is replacing the Pro Bowl with what they will call the Pro Bowl Games, a week of skills competitions. For AFC and NFC players, culminating with a flag football game at Allegiance Stadium on February five, Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions will be involved. What a shocker! Right. He's involved in everything. He used to have every TV commercial. Now he's got every TV show. Are you kidding me? He's also going to coach the flag football game. Sorry, I just felt I felt the need to I felt the need to unload that burden. It's
3: Come on, Peyton, taken, give somebody else a chance right. to
2: produce a TV show.
3: Okay. All right. I mean, I don't are you excited for a week of Pro Bowl games, Mike? Uh, you know. Is that a better option for you than a, than the Pro Bowl game itself?
2: Yes. Yeah? Yes. Remember when Bobby Knight was was trying to show people what a game face is and he was making all those weird faces? I want to make those Bobby Knight game faces. I am ready for Pro Bowl week. Look, the Pro Bowl sucked and everybody knew it. Now It should have, because you shouldn't expect the players to show up once they get through a season healthy and risk their health and welfare for a game that doesn't matter. So we've all suspended disbelief in recent years. Hey, they're wearing their uniforms. They've got their, well, ugly uniforms, as Miles pointed out during the break. They've got their real helmets on. They're not tackling. They're not blocking. They're not hitting. It's not football. And Roger Goodell huffed and puffed for a decade, and he finally blew down the house that was the Pro Bowl. Good riddance. The question is, will people tune in and watch whatever replaces it? Because they did tune in and watch what was there previously as bad as it was.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm not interested in this as much of anything. I mean, it's nice I, 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 but all-star games really don't do much for me. I mean, will there be a gritty competition that Mac Jones can lose? That's really the big question that I'm. Well, no, all Ma- Mike Gasicki.
2: See, Mike Gasicki's gritty is so bad you don't even realize that that's what he was trying to do. <laughs> yeah, <So>. exactly. <laughs> uh, Cowboys, Giants. By the way, here's our preview. It's on tonight. I like the Cowboys to win. Miles, who you got?
3: Uh, Cowboys give me the giants. giants? All
2: right, that's it. Thanks, Miles. See everybody tomorrow. Have a great Monday.